One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to a new season of the Big Interview and the first Q&A of the campaign. My name is Martin Gregg. I'm joined by Graham Hunter, host of the Big Interview, and our guest for these shows, La Liga TV's Pete Jensen. Our questions are from our socios who support this podcast at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Thank you to everyone who submitted a question. And let's kick off part two of our August Q&A with some questions on Atletico Madrid. Ian Layton says... What do you predict for Atleti this year? With Saul returning and Witzel signing, how will they line up in midfield? And will Simeone spend the season trying to find his preferred formation and starting XI? Richard Cosmala. Hi guys, it's Richard in Huddersfield. Hope you're uh, recharged, ready for the new season. I know all the publicity from, has been about Barcelona in the off-season and rightly so, but Atletico Madrid is a project that kind of fascinates me at the moment. Obviously, uh, finally get a right back in in Molina. Witzel's coming from Dortmund. But the main uh, talking points for me, how is Morata going to fit back in? Or is he even going to fit back in Saul as well? When I was just looking at their squad a minute ago, that you know, they have got everything you need, I think, for a title push, maybe a, a centre-back short, but something just doesn't feel right. It just feels a massive season for Simeone. Where, where are they heading? Their the fans seem to be a bit disenchanted at the moment as well. Uh, can they push for La Liga? Can they even push for the Champions League? Are they still miles short? I think the Metropolitano is going to be a fascinating watch this season. Thanks. And then finally, Jake Garlic. Barca's financial problems got all the headlines, but Atleti aren't exactly flush with cash. The Barcelona squad also looked fantastic, provided they managed to register them all, whereas Atleti look a bit stale. How do you think they'll do? What are the chances they finish outside the top four? And what impact would that have financially? So lots to unpack there, guys. Obviously, Atleti finished third last season, uh, fifteen points behind league winners Real Madrid. People, maybe start with you this time. Do you think there's anything happened between the end of last season and the start of this one to suggest that they could eat into that fifteen point differential? I think they've had a good summer um, because I think they've bought Simeone players, and I, I, I think that's something that they they stopped doing. And there was a big difference between the way Simeone wanted them to play in his heart of hearts and, 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 and the way that they maybe should play according to the players that, that, that they were bringing in. Uh, I think uh, Axel Witzel is a good signing. I think he's a proper Simeone player. Uh, I think now Molina, a long overdue, they should have got him at the start of last season because they could have e- easily anticipated with a bit of thought that, that Trippier was wanted to go and was going to go. So those are two what I would call Simeone players. And Renilo is definitely a Simeone player. And they'll have him for the whole season this time. He came in midway through the last campaign. Um, it looks as if Simeone is going to stick with, with playing five at the back for the most part. He's, he's played Witzel 
as a third centre-back um, in the absence of uh, Jimenez, who's, who's injured, which isn't great at the start of the season in view of the fact that you know last season he spent too long injured. Um, and I think we'll see... Um, I think we'll see Simeone uh, go back to to basics, go back to to pure Simeone football. I think it'll be a very solid five across the back. Um, maybe one of the wing backs will be will be an attacking player. The good news about bringing in um, um, Renildo is uh, sorry about bringing in um, Molina is that Yorente um, gets released. Um, it was such a waste last season to see Yorente playing so many games so deep. Um, uh, DePaul should have a better season, although he's not going to start it. Uh, I don't think. Uh, and the and the Morata situation is fascinating. I'll, I'll leave that to Graham because he has a better grasp at, at what Juventus. And it seems to be if he's going to go anywhere, it'll be Juventus. Although United have been mentioned uh, in passing today, Simeone's got five strikers. They, they, I mean, that to me is a good group. Um, but it seems that they want to get rid of one. And that point stuff. I don't think it was Jake Garlic who, who, who mentioned the, the, the financial situation that, that they're in. And he's right. They're, they're not. You know, they're not in Barcelona dire straits, but um, I think they finished last season with losses. They were they were saved a little bit by a new deal with Civitas, uh, who, who now sponsor the stadium. Uh, they negotiated a new deal with with Nike. Uh, I think they sold um, Germán uh, Beterami, who who wasn't playing for them, but was playing for a club in Mexico that, that they part owned. So they got some money from that. Um, they're not in a situation where they have to, you know, uh, make ten. Make make uh, make ten years to spend two, um, but um, they can't afford to to go out and and get a signing that will excite the fans. But I think they're going to be more solid than ever. I think they're going to be defensively stronger than certainly that they were last season. Um, whether they're going to have enough to to um, contest the title with Madrid and and Barca right to the wire, I don't know. But. I, I wouldn't be as despondent. Some Atletico Madrid fans, as your question suggests, they are a little bit, you know, is that it? Um, I mean, there was the story that um, Ronaldo was going to sign and, and um, the fan protest in response to that I thought was brilliant because you don't change your tune about a player just because suddenly he's going to be yours. If you, if you don't like him, then you, you stick to that line and Atletico Madrid supporters made it very clear they didn't want him signed. Um, um, but I, th- I think they'll be, they'll be tougher than ever to beat. Well, not tougher than ever to beat, but they'll go back to being... You know the side that were very hard to beat and that won the league twice under Simeone. I think they're going to have a good season. It's it's. I take you know I, I praise our socios not because we love them they're loyal to us solely but because over and over again they prove how much they know about Spanish football how closely they watch and there's an underlying tone in the questions from Ian and Richard and, and Jake. So Ian's phrase that I like is about. Simeone spending the season trying to find his preferred formation and his starting eleven. Super cause something doesn't feel right, and Jake saying stale. And you know where I where I find common ground easily with Pete is that it's an imperfect squad, but it's very talented. It's packed full of players that can make a difference. It's packed full of players whereby. If you wanted to rebuild another senior club, you could go in and buy and think, I've I've got a good footballer there who's got, who's, you know, mentally strong, who's hungry to win, who's been a league winner and then fallen over the next season and therefore will be will want to bounce back. And and the underlying thing that makes me uneasy is that number one, I think that the the way in which they fitness prepare with um Ortega uh, who's infamous, who's welded at the hip to Simeone. 
I think that's fallen out of date. I watched them across the season, and even the way in which they, it was it was hugely enjoyable watching them win the title. But to say the stagger of the line would be wrong. But they were they were digging deep into personality, not fitness, in the last third of winning that title, which is good. But if you look, if you put a real strong spotlight on their fitness trainer, it's not quite what you want. And you make a direct comparison with the equally demanding Pintus across the road who, who took over a Real Madrid squad where the French fitness coach, for whatever reason, hadn't quite been working. And Real Madrid last season scored more goals in the final 15 minutes of matches than any senior side in any of the big five leagues. Aleti are capable of a late goal, but can't get going, Don't aren't the, the physical stamina animals that they once were, once were, and I think there's a serious problem there and Simeone hasn't addressed it. I think there's a problem where Simeone himself, there was a brilliant documentary made about him where you watch it, and the words that describe this enigmatic, enigmatic talented, fun, bright uh, guy who's lit up all our lives as a, as a footballer and a coach, and certainly if you're living and working in the arena that Pete and I and, and Sid and Duncan McMath do... It's been good having him here. It's been, it, it's been seismic for Atleti signing him. But if I'm honest, I think that he's in something of a comfort zone himself too. And the, that, that word that Jake used about things being a bit stale, I don't see evidence to suggest that that's going to change. The bits I like would definitely be, even though All Black in the last match when they, I think, was it Juventus they pumped? Gerbic has come in and said to All Black, I'm on your heels. That wasn't the case last season. Arnold Black had, although it wasn't wholly his fault, he had, a, he had a very jittery season. Stats told us last season, unequivocally, couldn't have been clearer, that if you don't have Jimenez and Savic in the defence, Atleti are far more prone to losing. And while Molina will add that a fit for the right position and the Urenti point is, is brilliantly made, either... You know, Jimenez and Savage being fit for 85, 90% of the season is a must, or else they haven't reinforced properly in central defence. And that's a serious problem. They've got a couple of players there, particularly Felipe, who aren't good enough. After which, you know, the point that um, Ian made about Simeone not looking, sometimes they would change formation three times in the game. And while we praise that in a match where you see somebody ultra clever and going, I know how I can first rip the pants off my opposite number by doing this. Lads, do that. Everybody clicks into place. It's gorgeous to watch. It's like a Formula One car changing gear. Press a button and bosh. And then you change back because they've cottoned on and they're like, well, what's just happened now? And I remember going to a, 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 an Aspire conference in Berlin where Tuchel was Dortmund manager 10 days before he just played Pips by Munich. He said, well, they started this way and we were planning for that and then 15 minutes they changed and we spent 15 minutes trying to work it out. By the time we worked it out, boss, they were on us again. And he stood there and he spoke with admiration and he was at a loss at how to combat it. And that's not what Aletti are doing. There's, there were many, many matches where there were headless chickens and you looked at the players thinking, I can see them, sometimes physically, but also metaphorically, looking across the bench going, the fuck's going on here? And truthfully, I have high hopes, like Pete's optimism, that 
going to Sal's talked up his experience at Chelsea in England, which I think takes a lot of doing. But I kind of hope there was a bucket of cold water for him to say, you know, time is ticking. I'm talented. I'm going to reapply myself. My focus is going to be 100%. Whether he, he makes the cut and stays at Atleti past you know, the 1st of September, I think is, is at least open to some doubt, but I hope he does. I hope we see the renewed Saul because his actual ability has never been in question whatsoever. And they, if, if, if they'd had the best Saul last season, he would have been an asset. Morata, I can't help. He's a predilection of mine. I've got a weak spot for him because I simply like him and you can see all the things that he does really well. He's truly exciting he's not unique there are actually very few players who are quite like him in the elite of world football except we know that he's a tiny bit soft in terms of ultra hard winning mentality and he has games where you're like how is it how is it possible you could do those extraordinary things and then look as if you've never seen football boots or a ball before and that's such an odd combination so if he's if he, if we get full on Morata, then that will hugely determine the answer um, to the questions that we got from Supercause and Jake and from Ian. But it also will hugely determine whether Spain can get out of the group in the World Cup and go last four. So Morata becomes a fascinating and absolutely gigantic figure for club and country over certainly the next six months, let's say, and then hopefully for Atleti onwards until June. Okay, due to the sheer volume of questions, I'm going to try and squeeze another into the end of part one. This is Taylor Collard who says, how do you think Girona will do it this season in La Liga? Um, obviously, Girona promoted back to La Liga last season after a three-year hiatus. So, boys, is it a survival game for them or do you think they can realistically aim a bit higher? Yeah, well, no, I think it's all about surviving and they'll take that as a big success if they stay out. I think they made a couple of exciting signings. I think Yangel Herrera is a good signing. I don't I don't understand why he was so poor last season at Espanyol. I think it had a lot to do um, with the manager that he was playing for. I, I think as a, an attacking midfield player who who makes those late runs into the box and, and finishes the season in double figures in terms of goals, uh, uh, he's someone that can do that for them this time. And... I think they've they've made a good sign with Miguel Gutierrez. They like to play with a three, um, and the three will be the same three that played last season: Santi Bueno, Bernardo, and Juanpe. And that's that's good. A uh, bit of continuity going into into the new season, and the fullbacks get plenty of um, of license to attack. And, and Miguel Gutierrez has shown in the past um, in what he did with with Real Madrid, both winning the UEFA Youth League and in the few chances that he got in the first team. That going forward, he's a very very exciting talent. Um, and they've got Valerie as well, and Arnau, who was really impressive last season too. So they've got the wing-backs to make the system work, that, that um, three-centre-back system work. And if they can get goals out of Yangel Herrera from midfield, um, then I think they, they can stay up. Uh, I watched the, the two playoff semi-finals and the playoff final. They looked the least fancied um, going into the playoffs, and they came through it, and I was so pleased for them because they you know, missed out in, in the previous two, two campaigns consecutively beaten in the playoffs. I think they can stay up. I think they've signed well, intelligently. Uh, and if they do stay up, then that, that's good enough. Um, don't ask for more for Girona in their first season back in the top flight. You know, one, of, one of the things we've learned across years is that it's such a hard campaign to come up from Segunda that predominantly squads, clubs, managers have got a momentum 
a, a unity, a hardness of mind, that even if there's a, a revolution in terms of we're up, therefore we'll sign a few new players, it, it has tended to be in recent years that you should percentage analyse the promoted clubs as having a 55, 45, 60, 40 chance of staying up. With Girona, I'm just leaning in to see who's, who's question this. This was Taylor's question, wasn't it? With Girona, I, I, I'm, I'm just a, a little bit less optimistic. And this is the first time we've said what I think, um, I, I imagine was going to be a much more predominant phrase is the market's not closed yet. They're, you know, they're not cash rich. But Riquelme, who they've got from Atleti, is a player who in youth football looked wonderful. There was a queue of players, including Rangers, who wanted to take him when he was playing in the UEFA Youth League. He's at Girona now, at a stage where, he, despite his relative youth and relative inexperience at the top level, he cannot have a season finding his feet. The degree to which they um, rely on him, I think, in that the only proven top-level goal scorer... Um, at the club right now is, is Stuani who's 72 or something like that and he hasn't lost any of his you know will to win or his knowledge but to say that guy won't be injured and will keep us up is wrong there's an enormous amount of weight on Raquel it, it's, it's sometimes been a mixed bonus for Girona um, although Manchester City's stake in them has reduced a little bit it's sometimes been a mixed bonus for them in terms of who they get on loan um, and they've who did they take in from um, from City on loan I'm going to have to check notes but they did take a player in, on loan from City and therefore I would admit that's going to be a, um, a voyage of discover for me Jan Couto the Brazilian and if I'm honest I look at Michel their, their manager and I think that the evidence so far has said that he's one of these guys who, who maybe doesn't appear to be the most brutally tough in attitude or mentality. And I think that the the months that lie ahead of Girona, who were a club that began to be bullied by opponents at home um, when they went down, having stayed up and being exciting and beating Real Madrid when they came up, I think that in terms of their, their setup, I think in terms of it being um, a city that has, you know, over its history, very rarely had elite football, I'm excited that they're up. I think we often say that about promoted teams, even the yo-yo teams welcome back. With business still to be done in the market, as we speak right now, I would have said that, that there's a, a reasonable chance that they're not going to cope. But they've got two markets, the close of this one and the winter market, whereby they can potentially change that. There are certainly things that will make them attractive to watch, I think, but I'm pessimistic. Okay, it's time for a break. We'll be back in a moment with three more questions to complete part two of this month's Q&A. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we're back with a question from Rayman Mohamed, who says, Were you surprised to see Ricky Pooch sign for LA Galaxy in the MLS rather than stay in one of the major European leagues? Really interesting question from Rayman. Uh, Ricky Pooch is a name that's come up quite a lot in the podcast, actually, in recent years. Uh, I was surprised to see he's only 22 and making the move to, to the MLS. What do you guys make of that? Was that eyebrow-raising? I think the short answer is that, that no top European club wanted him and, and, and that he would have struggled to find a taker, maybe even in the second tier in Spain, which is, which is strong now, um, in, terms of a, in terms of a team trying to win promotion and in terms of, of maybe the, the, the money that they would have had to pay, um, you know, too many other options. The thing about Ricky Pudge, I think that he's revealing is that if you look at his international career, it's almost non-existent. Um, so this is a player who's created a, a huge amount of, uh, of optimism and excitement within Barcelona and within certain sections of, the, of, the, of their followers, but um, hasn't made that many waves outside of it. And, and, and Graham, who knows the Spain scene far better than I do, would correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure right until, up until under-21 level, he hadn't even represented Spain, and, and then he gets a couple of games for the under-21s. Um, Kiki Setien had uh, more faith in him than, than, than Ronald Koeman and that Xavi has. Um, but in these appearances under Kiki Setien, you could see that this just wasn't the full package there um, for all that there were certain things that he did very, very well. Um, and in terms of his own career, he's been criticised, you know, why, why do this at such a young age? But, you know, if you're Ricky Pooch and you've got the chance to go and live in LA and, and play football for a living and, and, and the alternatives are, are to, to, to play for a side scrapping around in the middle of the Spanish second tier, then I don't see it as a bad option to go and play for LA Galaxy. And, you know, um, US football is, is not what it was, say, 10, 15 years ago. I think, I think there'll be more and more players taking that career decision younger and younger. Not the ones that can have fantastic careers at top European clubs, but I don't think Ricky Pudge is a player who can have a top career at, at, a, at, a, at a top European club. Yeah, I, I find this whole subject really both fascinating and frustrating because... Um, I have no doubt, and I, and I know I'm in the minority, I have no doubt that Ricky Pooch is a, is a potentially terrific footballer. The first thing I'll say about him is that I, I've never been involved in, and I don't know about this massive debate, this massive blackhead that hangs over him about, like, half of the press locally will say, well, he's massively overhyped, and he's got people who've been blowing his trumpet, and, and look now, and then you've got the other half going, well, yeah, he's a genius, I know his dad, and it'll be useful for me here. I've never been part of that and therefore I've, I've never encountered a young player um, who's so no, dislike might not be there but where certain sections of the media just cannot wait to crap on him can't wait and I, I hate watching that and I don't know what either he or his potentially his father or any agent might have done behind the scenes to innervate 
to such a degree sections of the Catalan football media. For my taste, it can be said simply, he's tiny. He's literally tiny. And therefore, whether you do or don't value his, vis- his vision or his energy or his one-touch football or and, and to what degree you're willing to um, accept his mistakes because he, he does try things going past a man making a pass which lead to occasionally mistakes but then you know nobody gave the ball away more in La Liga over the last 15 years than Leo Messi so it's not an, it's in itself it's not a crime to try something that doesn't come off particularly if you're one of those players that's supposed, supposed to be what they call abrir la lata you know using a can opener to open the tin when things are against you a little bit what it doesn't trouble me like Pete said about you know the MLS is is, is exponentially increasing in quality in terms of um, attendances in terms of world visibility all that kind of stuff I, th- I totally agree it's going to become much more common to go to MLS and then if you play well to be able to come back to Europe to a better club I don't think there's any question whatsoever that it's now integrated in as part of the matrix of world football it's not a last ditch you know so okay, Corral shoot out against faster younger players when you're 35. That's just not the case. But by definition, it's the type of football whereby Ricky Puch's size is in my and and the degree to which the athletes press you and run past you is gonna is gonna test his his physical deficiencies to the absolute maximum. Objectively, I fundamentally disagree with those who haven't signed him and not those at Barcelona because the train has come and gone there the the, the place for him was to, to win his place through City and using him Koeman somehow being persuaded Xavi going I trust you kid you're not going to be a starter but you will get 38 times over a season you'll get 25 minutes or half an hour or the second half of a match and I think when I, I've seen Barcelona in, in bad stages of form, particularly at home, but where Ricky Puig comes on and you, 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 you'd have to be blind not to see essential La Masia components, whereby dropping at the half spaces, finding little pockets of room between the lines, body shape when he receives the ball, how quickly the ball moves the urgency he gives a game with his prompting. So whether the passes are like, you know, genius or not, suddenly when he comes on, there's a change in rhythm where the other side is going, wait, things have quickened up. Sooner or later, there's going to be a good pass from somebody or a right movement or bish, bash, bish, bash. Bo-. And then you'll try to go inside somebody and the player will just lean into him. And whether you count it as a foul or not, and predominantly referees didn't, <laughs> Ricky Puig will be sitting on his arse. And, and the ball will be going the other way. And the coach will be going, oh, for fuck's sake, that's net, net, that's a loss, not a gain since he's been on. Or, you know, that bish, bash, move, pass, prompt, open, turn. Well, suddenly he'll do something where he seems to have um, this tiny element of concentration just floats away out of his head at a point where by that, yeah, this is, uh, ah, no, it's tantric, but there's no outcome. So for Barcelona, the time wasn't right. I... I contest the idea that he shouldn't have a place in in high quality football, particularly in a team where around him there's organisation, physicality, strategic tightness, such that what he's doing is like 
there's a pass, there's something opened up. Um, and where the referee is, he's given the ball in such space, such the referee will be going like, well, somebody touches him now, it is a foul. And I think you can construct things around Ricky Pooch. It's not going to be the case in, in Europe at the moment. I, I, I don't understand how it can be better for him in MLS. It, I, I don't know LA Galaxy's scored well, although I, you know, we spoke to Robbie Keane, Martin, on the big interview, and Robbie was pretty disparaging about the way that LA Galaxy has been run since he left, and he wants to go back there and eventually wants to, you know, make the club his own, never mind coaching it. Um, so, he, good luck to him. I've never had, I've never seen the stuff around him in his entourage, as they call it, entourage, that has turned so many people off against him. I've had no contact with him, maybe except for the occasional mix zone uh, phrase or two. So I, I really, really wish him luck. But if if he's going to have a redemption, if he can improve any of the things that I feel about him to be correct, then fuck me, he's going to be doing well if he does it in the MLS. OK, our penultimate question for August is from Lee Allen, who says, could the break for the World Cup affect the season, stopping any momentum teams at the top of the bottom would have? Interesting question, Graham. It actually reminded me of the chat with our current big interview guest, David Moyes. I can't remember if it was before or after or before or during the interview, but I remember you chatting to David about this and, you know, the fact that teams have been strategising for this eventuality for a while now. Um, you, you, you want me to name him, don't you? It, it rhymes, I won't say his name... Or, or or the club, but it rhymes with Grandchester United and it's Eric Ten Hogue that we're talking about. Now, given that people won't work out, I mean, you're right, I said to Moisey, I know what Ten Hag's strategy is. Ten Hag's strategy is that there's, there's going to be something like four groups to deal with during November, December and afterwards. Because one of the things um, that, that Lee's talking about that you know, Martin, is that you know, all the Grand League's stop and then they resume resume immediately the World Cup is over at Helter, Pel- Helter Skeletor but, but people obviously will or could easily ignore the fact that the players returning to the clubs doesn't happen when the World Cup finishes it happens when you're knocked out so what Ten Hag has as a strategy in his mind is no matter how things are going in a transfer market or how United have performed in, in the league or not his idea is that he's got about four groups of players. The first group is the players who will be with you in November and December. What do you do with them? Um, Pintus, the Italian fitness coach at Manchester United, has said, well, look, I'm going to be doing a new pre-season for them. So, again, irrespective of whether Madrid choose to play friendlies or what they do, Pintus has got that gap when there's a World Cup with the few players from Real Madrid who don't have World Cup participation to do another pre-season so in other words the immediate way to apply that to Lee's idea is that some players are going to be raring to go as of you know just after Christmas Day um, when, it, when it all gets going again so momentum in that case we're not the next group for, from Ten Hag's analysis of what he's going to have is you know the players who go to the World Cup and, and they get their arses kicked and they're they're home in okay not two weeks because you've got pre you've got tiny tiny pre-tournament camp and then you've got three group games which are over pretty quickly but basically they're no sooner gone than they're back but they've been you know they've pumped they've, they've either haven't been able to perform and, and therefore kind of you've met negative expectations or you've had a disaster and you're back and you're like I, what the fuck and then you get the group of, of people who, who come back in the third group probably having done you know having got out of a group and they've either done well or badly thereafter but you're starting to get players coming back 
unbelievable, what a tournament. Got out the group, took a big scalp. Yeah, we're home two thirds of the way through the tournament, but this is this is good. This is fantastic. But you also start to get clutches of, of senior players, big players who thought they would be semi-final, quarter-final, final. Then you get your last group who are coming back, having gone to the last four or the final or the playoff match for um, third, fourth. And either they've had the time of their lives and they're absolutely buzzing and they're uh, followed home by players who've won it. And there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's an unquantifiable, in his mind, fifth group of players who come back and they've, they've been injured. And that's just your luck. And, and he's, he's treating that as... Because he's thinking about how do I train, how do I plan for, and how do I train mentally and physically these four groups of players. And at what stage? So another word, a phrase that Pintus uses, used was that players who come back late from having had a long World Cup, he wants to check because there's, there's not always any correlation between your fitness, match fitness and match preparation in a World Cup compared to match preparation and match fit, fitness in a, in a club system. And often clubs say, well, they've come back and they're in the clouds because they've had an easy time and their family's around them or they've been locked away in a hotel and they come back and they're, you know, they've been run into the ground and they're actually, they're, the figures tell you that they're, they're quite down in, in, in terms of vitamins and minerals and, and muscle fatigue and therefore we can have to rest them. And Pintus has talked about certain Real Madrid players will come back and they won't be straight into the team until he's, until he's run the rule over them and, and maybe got them back into the shape that Madrid wants. So, because there'll be some players um, in, in, in a team that goes all the way to either the semis or the final where the, 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 the manager will say, listen, I see your age and I see what nick you're in. Minimal training, maximum rest, lots of tactical briefings, perform on the day. You come back and in terms of the pace of the Premier League, you're a little bit off it. There's a, just a wide variety of things and Moisey was talking about that and I think that one... Anybody who doesn't strategize will meet Lee's point about being out of touch by the time the, the literal biblical flood of games hits you in December and January too. Those teams liken, I think this was your point to Moisey Martin, that if, if you were one of those that prepared really well for restart mentally, physically, and in terms of diet, in terms of team spirit, after during lockdown and you prepared well for restart, there was a noticeable difference in how teams kicked on or didn't. So it's, it's you know, it's a I find it really still upsetting about not only the fact that the World Cup is in Qatar for the reasons it's that it got there. I find it really, uh, you know, hard to even contemplate the way that the the workers have been treated there. However, now that it's going to happen, like Lee says, it presents everybody involved in football, including all of us, how we analyse it, how how we get to the clubs to try and understand what they're doing. It presents everybody centrally or peripherally involved in football with just enormous new challenges so many unknowns aren't there because obviously with it being the first time it's happened I mean maybe it's a leveller in in terms of, of helping clubs who don't have too many international players I mean maybe it helps a Villarreal who I think have had a good summer keeping hold of you know the likes of Pal Torres who actually will go to the World Cup winning uh, and Dan Juma and, and, and getting players like Cuenca and El Comandante I think Real Sociedad have had a have had a decent summer as well. I'm looking forward to seeing Bryce Mendes playing with with those players around him, and you know maybe clubs like Real Sociedad and Villarreal, you know that gives them a boost because um, they do have that prolonged period for rest, um, and and then for training almost a second. Well, it will be a second preseason as the season's broken in two. 
Um, regardless of what um, clubs prepare in terms of preparing players, there will be some players that have their season mapped out already. And if you think of someone like Eden Hazard, I'm sure Eden, ha- Eden Hazard will be um, designing his own season in his head and it will be all about being at absolute optimum uh, condition for the World Cup. Uh, and let's see what kind of Eden Hazard we have in the second half of the season. And he won't be the only example of that. I think it's another test for Barcelona. We shouldn't, I mean, we were all getting carried away with, with everything that Barcelona have done this summer. Um, and it is very exciting. But um, my cast my mind back to 2008, I think it was, when Real Madrid bought Cristiano Ronaldo, Xavi Alonso, Kaká, and there's one more grand, Benzema. How could I forget Benzema? And of course, we all know what they won that season. They didn't win anything. Um, so it's it's a it's a task uh, to bring all the points to all the the the, the um, parts together and and make a team and make a a good functioning squad. And maybe it won't be helped by having the World Cup bang in the middle. They were physically fragile last season. If you think of the number of pick- injuries that were picked up by players like Pedri, Araujo, Ansu had his problems. We all hope non Barcelona fans and Barcelona fans that that doesn't happen again this season. So it's an added test for them. Um, um, it's, it's, it's as I say it's just, it's just an unknown um, and you know let's see if it levels things up a little bit and helps some of the clubs that don't have as many internationals as, as the big two and three OK final question goes to Chris Hennigan he says really intrigued to see how Leighton Clarkson gets on at the Mighty Dandies and Calvin Ramsey here at Liverpool brackets sorry exclamation mark does the considerable activity at the dandies and across the scottish premier league this summer mean any possible change to the dynamic this season in challenging the glasgow dominance so graham i'll let you go on that very soon um obviously your team have started very very well if anyone hasn't seen Leighton clarkson's goal in the 4-1 win over st Mirren at the weekend I would suggest you stop this podcast right now and go and, and go and watch it because it was an absolute raker. Um, but Graham, how are you feeling um, as the season has just started in Scotland? Yeah, it's it's going to be um, ten months of squeaky bomb time to to use our ex manager's phrase because um, I'm head over heels in love with the manner in which we've um, blended together our director of football's knowledge and skills with our head of recruitment who's Tony Mowbray's brother with the coach's demands and with the board backing those demands and money it feels coordinated it feels strategized. now objectively if you don't speak as a fan then that's the first thing you want to ask of your club is there a clear intelligent idea are people unified in how they carry it out and does it look as if the product's um, one are approved of by the coaching staff, principally the head coach, and when you see the the product of that strategy, does it appear as if initially, with all that's got to come about adaptation and to 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 climate and culture, adaptation to one another, with all of that still to come, does it look as if it's been a, a fluid, you know, consistent process? And the answer to that, in Aberdeen's case, is yes. You know, they're not buying players who've come from, you know, top five leagues and dominated and won trophies. And you'd say, well, they're going to come in and smash everybody in at Celtic Park. For a, I thought for a variety of reasons, they were they were well short. However, Jim Goodwin afterwards said, we won't, we won't be wanting to play like that against Rangers Celtic and Glasgow again. We weren't yet fit enough to press high, to be chasing and closing down and leaving a high back line. So we chose this method of playing because... We are where we are in terms of fitness and pre-season and preparation. And that was a huge factor in us not being very impressive that day. 
So how do I feel about it? Well, the first thing is, Chris, um, I, I didn't see uh, Jim Leighton Clarkson before um, he joined us that morning. We was told, have a cup of tea in a Mars bar, you're in the team. And he packed it home from a different postcode. <laughs> it's fucking magic. It's possibly the best goal that's ever been scored in the history of professional football. So, yeah, listen, if he can continue to do that every weekend. So he's a kid. He's a kid. We, we've had good fortune in terms of players we've sent to Liverpool. Ron Yates, one of the greatest players in the history of uh, Liverpool Football Club. Aberdonian. And in terms of Danny Ward, who was a really big, um, important servant for us in the short term that we had him. Calvin, I'm sad to to lose. Calvin, I'm sad that they've discovered a little anomaly, physical anomaly which they have to cure now. So he's not been playing in pre-season and, and won't be right into the first team squad, I don't think, imminently to try and let them rotate with Trent Alexander-Arnold. And the longer-term idea, or no, that's not true, the mid-term idea is that they can get Calvin up to speed quickly enough that Trent plays in midfield. I know that's something that's been strategically on the minds of um, our uh, our beginning of your guess, uh, Pepin Linders and, and, and Jurgen Klopp. Um, so as far as the, 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 the little flicks to, to try and... I, you know, when Chris refers to the mighty dandies, I'm obviously going to answer with enthusiasm. Ramadani didn't play well at Parkhead, but I'm absolutely clear, having relied very heavily on Scout, that his ability to nick into a player receiving the ball with his back to goal and, and read it and get in and nick the ball and drive will do things for our attacking players which are essential. I'm, I'm crystal clear that uh, Bojan Mayowski has the type of of cheekiness, nippiness that will cause players in penalty boxes if we can bring our player that high up to foul him, to give away penalties. I think that he's a, a footballer who's front foot aggressive, looking to turn players, looking to confuse them, move off them. Therefore, I'm going to find him exciting. I could go on and on about our, our players. Matty Kennedy is is completely renewed and he might even be the dominant player of our uh, pre-season and League Cup campaign and off early I think I think he was off early against St Mirren but again if he didn't create an assist it was a pre-assist Kennedy I'm I'm really happy for Keller Roos when, when I did the Jim Goodwin interview at the end of the season it was patently clear he said I want a high line I want us to squash the game up and I want to take a risk with the ball in behind so I want a, left, a quicker centre-backs which they've 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 got um, Scales has been a good purchase. They've they've agreed a, a deal with Celtic. If Scales can be per, persuaded, which he might not be, that, that we can buy him. We've got a proper left-footed guy there, Kellerus, who who was at Derby for years. Um, is one of those Dutch goalkeepers who's perfectly happy with the high line. Is good with his feet, and the more that we play that, the more that Conor Barron, once he's fit, is is going to play in the line of three behind the one striker, and and doing things to open the game up. So. Look, there's a lot of other strikers to, to talk about and the Duke scored a really nice finish um, for our, our final goal against the Saints, our fourth goal against the Saints. And and across the piece, I'm excited by the squad, I'm excited by the, the way in which the board has backed them and reused the decent money that we got for our, our, our two big sales. And I like the manager. I like what he says. I like his ideas. I think he's very young. He's got, a, you know, in relative terms, a minimal number of elite games behind him as a coach so I have no question what we're going to see is Jim Goodwin uh, learning and growing and, and, and potentially making mistakes no question about that do I expect to be able to beat Rangers or Celtic at some stage this season in a league match yes 
do I fucking crave a day out at Hamden for the League Cup final when we lift the cup? Even though tape is now digital and not physical, there isn't enough tape in the world for me to explain how much I crave that or how much danger Glasgow is in if we go to Hamden and we win a cup and I'm let loose. And I think that's the proper way to finish that answer. And I've underplayed it. You've been warned. Alright, that's it for the second part of this month's Q&A. Thanks to all our socials for sending in questions for this month's show. Please check out this week's big interview with David Moyes, Graham Hunter and Pete Jensen. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, socials. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.